0: Are you guys ready? Let's go! All right. I wore my pink shirt today because it's the love series. So I wear it once a year, and that's during our dating series. So I've always been a hopeless romantic, all right? And it's caused me problems in my life. Uh, because of this, I've often struggled to find my worth and my value uh, Well, I struggle by finding my worth and my value in romantic relationships. Now, I'm married now, but this is back in the day. I'd often find my value from these relationships when God was all the time calling me to find my value in him. And for me, I dated a lot of people in elementary school. Maybe you're one of those elementary school daters, In middle school. Uh, My first girlfriend uh, was when I was in first grade. Uh, She lived up the street from me. Her name was Ashley. I won't share her last name, but her name is Ashley, and, uh, and I was at her birthday party. She was in third grade, so two grades above me, and yeah, I was kind of a, kind of a ladies' man, but anyways, uh, so I called her into the closet, which is what any first grader would do, and I said, hey, I have a secret for you. Come in here, so she came in, and I said, I think we should kiss now. We've been dating for like two or three days, so this is getting serious, and that's where I got my first peck, was in a closet in first grade. Uh, this isn't a good thing, though, okay? This, this pattern of premature and unhealthy relationships continued throughout my elementary uh, school years, if we can even say that those are relationships, but, uh, and then into middle school. And by the time I got to high school, I had seriously almost dated every girl in my class to where I didn't get any girlfriends in high school because <laughs> I had pretty much dated all of them, and, uh, and nobody wanted to date me at that point, so when it actually mattered, uh, I had some bad luck. But, anyways, despite not having girlfriends in high school, I made some really dumb decisions with girls physically. And actually, it was a really bad choice with a girl that actually drew me back to Jesus. So, it had been going on for a few years where I would uh, do things with girls that I shouldn't have been doing. And uh, it came to this breaking point uh, the summer after my senior year of high school when I'd taken things with a girl that I thought was too far. Before, or sometimes we kind of ask these questions like, like, how far can I go? And I didn't have, like, big standards, but I had finally taken it past the line where I thought I could go, and that brought me to this point of just brokenness and, and feeling unforgivable. And I asked God, I said, I'm so sexually broken, and in the meantime, just to be vulnerable, I've shared this before, but I was addicted to pornography, so all this sexual brokenness is happening in my life. And I asked God, I said, could you ever love someone like me who's done all these terrible things? And And surprisingly... I felt or heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, perhaps for the first time in my life. And he said, Daniel, there's nothing that you could ever do to separate you from my love. And that truth penetrated my heart and transformed me. And I can remember I was weeping and just crying about all these uh, decisions I had made. And I asked my mom, because me and my mom were pretty close, okay? So don't judge me. She knew everything about my relationships. But anyways, I asked my mom, I said, could any girl, like any Christian girl, any girl who's been saving themselves for marriage, could they ever love me? my mom said, Daniel, don't worry about that. God's got that. And about a month later, I met my wife Emily at a Chi Alpha service. But I had made a dumb decision before I got to Chi Alpha. So although I had uh, given my heart back to Jesus, I continued to make some poor decisions. So on the Sunday of the weekend when I got to you and I, so literally here for three days, I met a girl at a different ministry. I know. And I decided to try to make something happen with her And then I didn't even give God a week. And then I came to Kai on Thursday, because Kyle was on Thursdays back then. And I met my wife, Emily, and I was like literally out of breath when I met her. I just like, like I had this profound uh, revelation, I felt like from the Lord, that that could be my wife. And, uh, but I had this girlfriend already, pretty much. So then I made some bad decisions with that. And then the Thursday before fall retreat, a guest speaker came and spoke at Kai Alpha. and, And he had his wife with him. And they are probably about 25 or 26 at the time. And I looked at their relationship, and I said, that's what I want. And I realized that I was not going to find that with the girl that I was hanging out with at the time. And, and God pushed me to break it off with her, and I broke it off with her. And then I went to Fall Retreat. And then at Fall Retreat, I finally found my value and my worth in Christ. It was the first time in my life where I felt like, but my value truly comes from God. It doesn't come from a relationship. And I even got to the point where I told God, I said, God, if you want me to be single for a year, I'll give that to you. And that was a big deal for me at the time. I know that seems silly to some of you. But, but to me, that was a big deal to make that decision. And then God saw the heart of that. He saw that I was putting my value in him. And shortly after, I realized, again, that Emily was supposed to be my, uh, my wife. And we began to date. And we dated for two years and got married after our sophomore year of college. So for some of you, you're like, holy cow, that would be like this summer for some of you. But uh, we got married, and I've been happy ever since, right? I've been perfect ever since. So. But, I, but I share that to point to the problem that was there in my heart. The reason that I had all these uh, dumb uh, paths that I went on and, and bad decisions was because I kept continuing to look for my value and my worth in a girl. I thought if I could find a wife, specifically a Christian uh, wife, then I would find my value and my worth. And I tried to make things happen that just were not of God. I tried to, uh, or to make relationships happen that God didn't want to make happen. And when we try to, to short-circuit God's plan for our lives, it usually leads to destruction and, and to uh, unhappiness. And that's really what happened in my journey of dating. And I can't help but, but think that there's many of us in this room tonight who struggle with what I struggled with as a freshman college guy. Uh, there's many of us who are going from person to person, and we're trying to find our value and our worth in them, whether that be a friend, a significant other, or maybe even a leader. Maybe you find your value in what your pastor thinks of you. Like, I'm someone who struggles with that as well. Like, I always, like, whatever my leaders think of me, that determines my value. And tonight, I think God wants to call us out of this place and into this place of approval and knowing that our value comes from him. The reality is God stands over you. If you're a son or daughter of God, if you put your faith in Jesus, so that's how you become a son or daughter, that's how you get adopted by God, is putting your faith in Jesus. If you've done that, God stands over you and he says, you're approved. He says, you're my son or you're my daughter. There's nothing you could ever do to change that. And that truth needs to undergird everything we do in relationships. If we can know that our value comes from God and he calls us a son or daughter, then we can do relationships the right way, the biblical way. So tonight I want to just propose that to you and call you into that space. And and tonight's sermon is called, it's loved so we can love. Loved so we can love. If we know we're loved, then we'll be able to do love God's way. So the main idea is this, if we want to do or to do love God's way, we have to know that we're loved, simply put. If we want to do love God's way, we have to know we're loved. So Before I can unpack this main idea fully, I have to do some groundwork, some background work. Is that okay with you guys? All right, we're going to do some biblical theology tonight about marriage and relationships, if that's okay with you. We're going to kind of put on our our, uh, student hat a little bit. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. And these two verses are, are very important to our discussion about dating and relationships. In Genesis 1 and 2, these two chapters as a whole are going to guide this series as we look to God's original or God's original design for marriage to guide our conversation about relationships. If you can remember back to the first week of this semester during the first sermon of the series series Wonder, uh, we looked at Genesis 1 and we saw that God has this ability to create something out of nothing. And if you remember, the pinnacle of God's creation was the creation of male and female who he creates in his very image. So let's read these verses where it talks about God creating us in his image. Verse 26 and 27 says, Then God said... And let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. And male and female, he created them. Can we bring my mic down just a little bit? It's just kind of ringing in my ears. All right, so God had already created day and night He created the oceans, the land, the sky, the vegetation, animals, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And now, to take care of his creation, to be his image bearers on the earth, he creates man and woman in his image. Man and woman together, together, not just one or the other, are the closest reflection of God or who God is on the earth. So the fact that God created you in his image, this reveals how he feels about us. He values you. He values us. God uniquely values the human being over the animal kingdom. God values the human being. He renders us as his best creation and trusts us to take care of the rest of his creation. Because all human beings bear God's image. Every single person in this world has intrinsic worth and value. And we have to get this truth that we're going to be ready to give ourselves fully to, or to another human being for life. Guys, we have to know that we're valued by him and that there's no other person in this entire world who can complete you. There's no other person. Their approval of you does not matter. It's God's approval that matters. And we also see something important here in verse 27 about God's desire for the marriage relationship. Verse 27 points out that his image is most fully reflected in his creation of both the man and the woman. It says, male and female, he created them. It's not just one or the other, but both sexes. God has a purpose for both sexes. And their distinctiveness and their complementary nature is very important. So later in Genesis 2, it elaborates on this idea, this, this creation of man and woman. Verses 18 through 24, it'll be on the screen. It says, then the Lord God said, it's not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him and and now out of the ground the lord god had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them and whatever the man called every living creature that was its name the man gave names to all the livestocks and the birds and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field that'd be quite the job but anyways but for adam there was not found a helper fit for him not in the whole animal kingdom So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up, or closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man sings a song. Sometimes this guy sings a song when we meet our girl, right? He says, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she should be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24, this is profound, this is very important, get this. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So these verses show us some profound truths, you know, one, that it's not good for a man to be alone. God is not content with just one gender or the other, but the two genders together reflect a wholeness. It it gives us this picture of wholeness, this, this picture of God's image. So know that I'm not saying that God doesn't call people to singleness, because he does. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul says it's better that you should be single. So know that in this place. If you want to be single, go for it. Praise God for that. But to reflect God's image uh, just most fully, we need to look at both the male and the female. That's the point I'm trying to make. So God's intention for the marriage is that there would be two equal and complementary pillars of this relationship, the man and the woman who come together to form the strongest human bond possible and become one flesh. And this word for one in the Hebrew is akkad. So akkad means fused together at the deepest levels. So when a couple comes together in marriage and consummates it in the bedroom, they become one, they become cod, and they form the most powerful human relationship possible. Akkad blurs the lines between a man and a woman. And it makes it hard to tell who is who. And it's when you're known most intimately by another person. And the only relationship strong enough to hold this untamed power of a cod that blurs the lines between a man and woman is the man-woman marriage, where both people are committed for life. The man-woman marriage says, I know the best of you, I know the worst of you, and I still want you. I'm committed to you for better or for worse, and we'll look at this idea of a cod more next week when we talk about sex. So, if you just want to hear me talk about sex, come next week. Uh, but tonight, we want to talk about marriage and dating a little bit. So, the thing you need to get tonight when it comes to this idea of a cod and this idea of one flesh is marriage is the most powerful, powerful human relationship on the planet. And marriage is the point of all romantic relationships. Marriage is the reason we date. Like, marriage is the reason you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. That's where you should be headed, right? We don't just date for fun. We'll talk about that a little bit later. I'm passionate about that. But the reason we date and the reason we have romantic relationships with the opposite sex is so we can see if marriage is a possibility with that person. But in a society where 50% of our marriages end in divorce, perhaps you're a child of divorce. There's probably many of us in this room. The question comes, the question is asked, what's the purpose of marriage? What's the point of it? And also, second question is, why have we gotten it so wrong? Well, the purpose of marriage is to be a reflection of God's love to the world as the man and the woman commit all themselves to each other for life, just as Jesus has committed himself to the church. Jesus has said the church is pretty screwed up. We know that, right? The church is a little screwed up, all right? But Jesus continues to lay down his life for the church and say, I'm going to give myself to you. So in marriage, we're reflecting that reality to the world as we continue to lay down our lives for each other and we know all the bad stuff about each other and we really annoy each other sometimes but we continue to lay down our lives for each other that's a reflection of the gospel to the world so perhaps the most profound purpose of marriage is to be a reflection of God's love and also not only the love between Christ and the church but the love between the members of the trinity you got a father the father the son and the holy spirit for all of eternity, they've been laying down their lives for each other, putting the other one first and serving each other. So marriage is a little reflection of the Trinity. It's a reflection of the relationship between Christ and his church. So the reason we've gotten it off in our society is marriage has become more about feelings than it's become about com- or commitment. That's why we've gotten off. It's more about if I'm feeling it today. But our feelings are going to leave us. And that's not to say that the marriage relationship is not exhilarating, because it is. It's in this marriage relationship where we experience profound realities. We have the potential to experience the most intimate friendship possible between a husband and wife. That's where the most intimate friendship can be possible. Also, we get to push back darkness with a partner for life. We get to say, hey, this is my partner in the kingdom, and we're gonna push back the gates of hell together as we give our lives for Christ's purpose on the earth. Also, we get to experience the profound and beautiful gift of sex. Sex is a good thing. When it becomes bad is when we twist it and do it outside of God's design. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing that a a marriage is for and the profound reality that it's experienced in marriage is the ability to procreate and have children. We see all these realities in Genesis 1 and 2 as the first couple comes together. They experience friendship. They get to push back darkness and have dominion over the earth. They get to have sex, okay? That's a good thing in marriage. And fourth, they get to have children. So with that said, marriage is worth it. Marriage is important. Marriage is awesome. And we should pursue it if God's calling us to. So all healthy romantic relationships should be navigated through with the intention of seeing if marriage is a possibility with that person. Marriage is the whole point of romance, And it's only within this male and female marriage that humans can fully experience romantic relationships as God designed them to be, where two equal and complementary parts come together and give all themselves to one another and become a reflection of God's self-sacrificial love to the world. So, so far we've established two truths, if you're tracking with me. The first thing is we're valued by God, and the second thing we have established is that God's purpose for for romantic relationships is a marriage between a man and woman where they give all themselves to each other. But the question I want to spend the rest of our time considering tonight is how do we set ourselves up spiritually to do relationships God's way and to be ready for marriage? Because most of us are not married in this room, and you want to know, hey, how can I practically go about this thing so I can do relationships in God's way? So when I say relationships, when I say romantic relationships, I'm referring To love and romance before marriage, okay? I'm referring to the dating relationship, as we would call it in our society. And I have to admit, it's a little bit difficult to do a teaching on dating. I struggle with it every year because the Bible doesn't say anything about dating because they didn't date back then. And it actually wasn't that long ago that our marriages were decided by our parents. For thousands of years, marriages were arranged by parents. See, marriage wasn't just about us, it wasn't just about our desires, but it was also about our family, it was about our clan, it was about our people. And in early Jewish culture, which is what we see in the scriptures, like you wouldn't even meet your wife until the wedding day. And then in other cultures, they may have had a voice in who they married, but your spouse was picked out for you ultimately. So who a person married was considered far too important to leave up to the couple Because their emotions might get in the way, right? So that's the thinking behind it. So they're not crazy in this idea of arranged marriages. But I would say we've come a long way since then. I'm glad my parents did not pick out my spouse. But they would have picked Emily. I know it if they would have met her uh, because they love her so much. But today we get the privilege of choosing our spouse, which is a great gift from God. I think this is a good thing for the most part. But we need to know, if we're going to discuss dating, that this is a new idea. It's not even over 100 years old, and we don't see it in the Bible. It wasn't until the 20th century that people started doing this thing called dating. And now dating has become largely disconnected from the family, which is not what God's original purpose was, in my mind. People just get together, they hang out at a bar, they hang out at a, a, you know, go to a dinner and a movie and just hang out together, and nobody else has any say about the relationship. They just decide, is this someone I feel good around, and then they decide to marry that person. Oftentimes, parents and family don't have a lot to say, but I think we might want to invite our family into this a little bit more. So for the rest of our discussion tonight, I want to try my best, and like I said, it's hard because the scriptures don't say a lot about dating, but I want to try my best to give you three truths that I think we need to get if we want to do dating or romantic relationships God's way. I'll say this, too, about romantic uh, relationships I think God gives us a lot of freedom in how we figure out who our spouse is going to be. So I talk about arranged marriages. You know, some people do courting. Some people date. I would say this. It's not as important about the method as it is about if we're honoring God as we do it, right? So in general, as I talk about romantic relationships, whatever that may be for you, which I think most of us probably date in this room. We live in America. It's 2018. But some of you might get your spouse picked out for you, which is great. Or you might court, which is cool. But, uh, but the important thing is not the method as much as it is that we're honoring God as we do it. All right, so the first thing tonight is this. If we want to do relationships God's way, we must know what true love is. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. That's the million-dollar question, right? What is love? The word love is a juncture word in our language. We say, I love God. And then we say, I love Chocolate. And these loves cannot possibly mean the same thing, can they? There's many misconceptions about love in our culture. I'll point out two today. First misconception is this, this idea that to love is to tolerate, or love is tolerance. To some in our culture, this is what love is. You do you, I'll do me. We're not going to say anything about each other. We're just going to ignore each other and not really care that much to say anything. Instead, we're just going to let you do you, you do me. Or I do me. <laughs> and this definition of love makes it a passive thing. It says that, that love means that uh, we shouldn't say that something's sinful. According to Jesus, though, this is not a good definition of love. Of course, there's some truth in this idea. We shouldn't judge. So some of you that like to judge, knock it off. You shouldn't be hypocritical. Jesus said take the log out of your eye before you notice the person's speck in their eye. So don't be hypocritical. Also, we shouldn't be hateful. There's no room for hate in the kingdom of God. However, it's not a good definition of love because the opposite of love is not hate, it's apathy. The opposite of love is not caring at all, saying, oh, I don't really care what they do. I don't really care that much about the person having have an opinion. See, love is never passive. and tolerance is passive at its core. It's a, passive, uh, it's a passive mindset. See, love is not simply tolerating others And then not caring enough to get uncomfortable in the relationship. That's not love. The second thing love is and is this. It's not the passionate feelings you have for the things and the people that tend to make you happy. To some, love is just positive feelings for something or for someone. I love reading. I love talking. Well, that's not us. I love hiking. I love music. These things bring us happiness or excitement, so we say that we love them. This definition says that to love is... It's to feel happiness or or to feel passionate feelings about something. And we carry this idea sometimes in our love for people. I love the person because they bring me happiness, because they bring me excitement, they bring me joy. I love this person because they make me feel alive. Let's go adventure together. All right, I just get sick of that cheesy adventure thing. All right, anyways. Uh, But the question is, what happens when that person stops making you so happy? What happens when the chemicals in your body stop going off like crazy when you're around them because it'll happen. The butterflies won't be there as much. They'll come sometimes. But you mature and your love deepens and it's more about commitment and laying down your life for that person instead of just feeling bubbly inside. So what happens though if love is a feeling and then the feelings begin to go away? Does God say you can get a divorce? Well, no. Actually, if you read the Gospels and, and what Jesus says about divorce, it doesn't seem like he really gives us a way out of marriage. The point of that is to say that marriage is so important. It's for life. It's a commitment. It's a commitment to lay down your life for better or for worse. In sickness and in health, I give my life to you. I'm committing it to you. That's what love is. Love is saying, I'm going to lay down my desires for someone else. I'm going to lay down my life for someone else. So to Jesus, love is more of what you do than how you feel. You know the song Love is a Verb by John Mayer? All right, love is a verb, come on. But don't get me wrong, love is partially feelings, but it's just a little part of it, I would say. Jesus commands us to love one another, to love our enemies, to love our neighbors. And this obviously cannot be just based off of, off of our emotions. Jesus doesn't command, feel happiness inside. No, he says, go lay down your life for that person. The Apostle John gives us a better definition of love than what the world gives us. And 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love, that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Then again in chapter 4, he just keeps going, verse 10. And this is love, not that, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the sacrifice for our sins. So in a sentence, love is, is Jesus on a cross. That is love. That's the picture of love. That's the best picture we have of love is God sending his own son to pay the price for our sins. Love is Jesus laying down his life for us. Love is Jesus being sacrificed and killed on our cross so each of us can have a relationship with God. Jesus is our example for love. So love is more than emotional passion. And said, love is the resolve to continually lay down your life for someone or something. So with that said, if you want to get married, then you have to prepare yourself to be able to love someone even when things are tough, even when that person irritates you, which I promise you they will, even when the feelings aren't there, even when life gets tough. See, marriage is ultimately a commitment to lay down your life for someone each and every day. And we cannot expect romantic euphoria to fuel our marriage. And we also can't expect our our romantic euphoria to fuel our love for people, right? Because people irritate you. It's hard to love your neighbor at times. That person sitting next to you in class who thinks they know everything, it's hard to love that person. The person who talks and talks and talks in class, you like wanna say, shut up. But instead, Jesus calls you to love. He doesn't call you to have emotional feelings about that person. He calls you to lay down your desires, to lay down your rights, and say, I'm going to love that person and serve that person even when it's hard. So before we can ever hope to... Be ready for dating or marriage or sex. And you have to know what love is, and you have to begin to practice it by continually loving your neighbor. So to Jesus, again, love is self-sacrifice. Love is giving yourself. So now we have a working definition of love. Godly love is self-sacrifice or laying down your life for someone else. And we see this through the cross of Christ where Jesus shows us just how loved we are. And we have to get this truth that each of us are loved by a holy God if we want to do relationships God's way, which leads me to my second point. If we want to do relationships God's way, then we must know that God loves us. If you want to do romantic relationships God's way, we must not only know what love is, but we also just must allow this truth to be penetrated into our hearts. And if we don't, if we don't know that God loves us, then we're going to do relationships in an unhealthy way. If you get nothing else out of this message, maybe you're tired and you just want to take a nap, get this, I pray that you get the truth that God loves you and he's went to great lengths to prove this to you. There's two main ways that Jesus has shown us that he loves us. The first first way that Jesus proves this to us is the way in which he intimately created each one of us. We see this in Psalm 139. This is beautiful. Get this tonight. Please, please get this. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Some of you need to hear that tonight. You're fearfully and wonderfully made by the holy God who stands over everything. He created you fearfully and wonderfully. And wonderful are your works. And my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth. In your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me when you, or when as yet there was none of them. Before you were even born, God knew you and God loved you. And he intimately wove you together in your mother's womb. He values you. He loves you. He created you the way you are for a purpose. So if you're questioning, did God really want me to be the person I am, yes, God created you, God loves you, and yes, sin distorts our character at times, but I'm saying, pre-sin, God created you in that way, so obviously, we want to leave sin, but but your natural self that's free of sin, God created you that, that way, and the second way that Jesus proves his love for us is that he died on a cross for us, do I need to say much more than that, all right, John 16, you've heard this before if you've been in church, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God shows his love by sending his son to die for you. If that truth has not penetrated your heart yet, please think about it. Holy God, he's been in heaven for all of eternity. He comes out of that and lives the human life and is put on a cross and punished for your sins, for your rebellion. God is punished for your sins. If that doesn't show you that God loves you and values you, then I don't know what will. God loves you. Pray that you would get that tonight. If you're going to be ready for the marriage relationship, if you're going to be ready for some romance, then you need to know who loves you so much more than any other person could in the world. God loves you uniquely, profoundly, and intimately. God loves you. He values you. So we've established what love is, and we've established that God loves us, and we see that through the way he created us and through dying on the cross for us. So how does this affect the way we do relationships? Well, I'm glad you asked. This is what the whole sermon's about. If we want to do relationships God's way, we must find our value from God and not from other people. So one thing I've learned in my time in college ministry and just being a uh, college student myself and for my own story is we try to find our value from other people all the time. And it just, it just rages in our romantic relationships. It distorts them. It destroys them as we're trying to find value in this other person. We're trying to get that person to approve of us and to love us, and that's where we get our value from. If we want to go on this journey of trying to find a spouse through dating and then getting married, we have to know that our value and our worth comes from God. Our value, our worth, comes from the fact that God in heaven created you and that Jesus came out of heaven to die for you. That has to get inside of you. So I pray tonight, if nothing else, that you would realize how deeply valued and loved you are by the God who spoke this world into existence, by the God who hung the stars. He loves you. He values you. I want to close out tonight by giving us five things. It's going to be really quick. That happen when we find our value. I'm just going to bullet point it. And worth from God and not from a romantic not from our romantic relationships. So five things. When we find our value from God and not from romantic relationships, the first thing that happens is we don't look to romantic relationships for fulfillment. The first thing that happens is you won't look for romantic relationships to fulfill you. Instead, you realize that you're fulfilled in Christ and his approval of you. The fact that God calls you son, that God calls you daughter, that's all that you need to fulfill you. A spouse is not going to fulfill you. A boyfriend is not going to fulfill you. A girlfriend will not fulfill you. Only God can truly fulfill you. And when you know that he values you and he loves you, then that'll be all the fulfillment you need. And you won't look for it in romantic relationships. See, oftentimes we take the good thing of romantic relationships, of marriage, and we make it into this ultimate thing in our lives. And an ultimate thing is something we have to have if we're going to be happy. And and whenever we take good things and we make them into ultimate things, it becomes sin. You can take relationships, you can take food. When food becomes an ultimate thing, it becomes gluttony, right? You start eating all the chicken wings at beat doves When sex becomes an ultimate thing, you begin to look at pornography, and you begin to distort it by having sex outside of marriage between a man and woman. Whenever you take a good thing and make it into an ultimate thing, it becomes a bad thing. So we cannot make romantic relationships an ultimate thing, and if we find our value from God, we won't look for our fulfillment in these relationships, The second thing, when we find our value from God and not from romantic relationships, is we're willing to wait. Oh, we don't like to wait. I don't like to wait. I hate waiting. I'm in a waiting season for some different things right now, and I don't like it at all. It's like every day, like, God, you change your mind? God, you change your mind yet? Come on. Today's the day. Today's the day. And some of you have been thinking about your spouse. You're like, today's the day. I'm gonna get so dressed up for class and putting on my tie. Like some of you guys get all dressed up for class. You're like, God is gonna show me my spouse today. You come in and nope, once again, no girl likes you. I'm sorry. Let's pray about that. I'm kidding. But but when you find your value and your worth in God, then you won't rush his timing. And there's two things. There's two things we try to rush. The first thing is we try to rush the person. There's all these people we try to make into our spouse. See, God has someone prepared for you who is just right for you, someone who he's known before they were born. And he says, these two people are going to be great together. And you try to make all these other people into that person. So God has Billy prepared for you. And you try to make Jimmy and Johnny and Ricky Bobby into Billy. <laughs> but Billy is going to be there. You just have to wait for God's timing. So do not rush it. Please don't rush it. Please don't be like me on the first Sunday coming to school. I'm trying to make some girl into Emily. And seriously, when I realized she wasn't Emily, that's when I started to get frustrated with the relationship. But then when I met Emily, I'm like, hallelujah. That is the person that God has for me. That's exactly the person that I wanted. That's the person that God has been preparing for me. Come on. I'm feeling it. The second thing, so I try to remember the second thing. The second thing that happens when we try to rush things is we start having sex outside marriage. Ooh, I just got awkward. <laughs> we try to, because we want to rush that, because we really want to have sex. Some of you, guys and girls, both of you, I was going to say just guys, but I know girls do this too. And you say, Jesus, don't come back until I get married so I can have sex. That was a prayer I prayed literally all the time as a kid. I'm like, God, I'm waiting so hard. Please don't come back until I've done that. <laughs> and you try to rush it. And then you're doing sexual things with people who are not going to be your spouse. And that's gonna really stink for you when you meet your spouse. Trust me, I know. It's gonna stink. You're gonna have to have some hard conversations. Trust me when I say, it. do not rush God's timing. Instead, find your value in Him and know that He loves you. He has great things prepared for you, and He has your good in mind. And the timing when it comes will be perfect. The third thing, when we try to find our value from our, from romantic relationships, third thing that hap- well, if we find our value from God, the third thing that will happen is we won't feel the need to date people who don't know Jesus yet. So closely related with the second point, the third thing that happens when we find our value from God is we don't try dating people who don't know him. And we know that God values us, that he wants to give us a partner who can pursue him alongside us. So we don't settle for someone who doesn't have a relationship with God. See, dating is all about finding someone on the same path in life with you and just and deciding to make a life with them. So with that said, we should never date someone who doesn't have a genuine relationship with God. If they just say they're a Christian on Facebook, and you're like, hey, they prayed a prayer at one point, it's on their Facebook profile, so they must be a Christian. Like, if you have to look at their Facebook profile to figure it out, then no, don't do it. Like, like you should know that about them, all right? You should know that. You shouldn't have to ask them. It should ooze off of them. Like, you should say, oh my gosh, I know that this person is a daughter of God. That's the first thing I, I noticed about Emily. You know, I was playing the drums like Chi Alpha. Boom, da, boom, or whatever the not today was, just jamming like John was. And then Emily's out in the crowd just going after it. I'm like, oh, that's so sexy. <laughs> it's probably what I thought. fresh freshened me. But anyways, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. But, but you need... But this should be something that you know about this person. So 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14... Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? So if you're a follower of Jesus who finds your value in him, then you won't feel the need to date people who don't follow Jesus. Because you know that if you date that person, if you marry them, it's going to prevent you from being all that God has called you to be. So my genuine prayer for each one of us in this room, each one of you, I pray for you a lot. I think about your life after college a lot. Probably more than I think about your life now. Because I want you to follow Jesus for a lifetime. And guys, I don't want you going to church without your wife, as they said at home, because they don't want to go to church. And girls, I don't want you going to church without your husband. I want you to go together. I'm sick and tired of seeing just one spouse and not the other at churches across America. I want to see you go together, excited, serving on teams, being on the worship team, doing whatever, doing a small group in your home. I want to see that for you. So do not try to date someone who doesn't know Jesus. Do not missionary date. Please, it's the worst form of being a missionary. All right, I know it's fun for some of you, but do not missionary date. Instead, wait for God. I could talk about that all night. All right, the fourth thing is uh, when we find our value from God and not from romantic relationships. Is we invite others to speak into our relationship, and we allow others to speak into it, and we and, and we listen to wise counsel. We're finding our value and our worth in our partner, so we're finding it. in the wrong place, then we won't allow others to speak into it and to speak honestly into the relationship because if they say anything that's negative, it will be felt as an attack on us because because our value and our worth is found in that relationship. So if they say anything negative about that relationship, it's going to feel like an attack on us. So something that you'll see if someone's dating someone who they know that God probably doesn't want them to be with is they don't let anyone else speak into the relationship they're scared what they might say. If they're finding their value in that relationship, they won't allow other people to speak into it because they don't want their value attacked. And that goes with anything. If you find your value in your career, then you're not going to allow people to speak into it. So we need to be people who find our value from God, and then we can invite wise counsel into our lives. The Bible speaks about this all over the place, but I'll read two verses. Proverbs 12, 15. It says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Second thing, Proverbs 11, verse 14. It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. I pray that you would have an abundance of counselors as you navigate your dating relationship. I pray that you would ask my opinion and then listen to it and not get mad when I give it to you. Because I care about you. I pray for you. I pray that you would ask my opinion. I pray that you would ask your smaller peers' opinion. I pray that you would ask uh, your peers' opinions. I pray that you would invite people into the relationship. And, and that doesn't mean that those people get to have say in the relationship. Sometimes people get it wrong. Okay, sometimes they have false judgments, but you should Im- invite them to speak into it and know that if they say something negative about the, about the relationship, they're not attacking you. They're just looking out for you, and they want what's best for you. Does that make sense? All right, one more thing. If we find our value from God and not from romantic relationships, we date with the intention of finding a marriage partner who we can f- fulfill God's purposes with. If the band wants to come up right now, you can. The singers, you guys can stay put until prayer time. But the fifth thing is we date with the intention of finding a marriage partner who we can fulfill God's purposes with. So finally, if we're, if we're finding our value and our worth in God, we know that whoever we choose to be our spouse needs to be someone who can accomplish God's purposes with. And we would never choose a spouse that prevents us from fulfilling God's purposes for our lives. We would never choose a spouse who prevents us from pushing God's kingdom forward Because we place more importance on our relationship with God and his view of us than we do on the view that that person has of us. And we want to find someone who enhances our relationship with God. If you're dating someone who's taking away from your relationship with God, it's not of him. You should find someone who enhances it. So we only date people who enhance our relationship with God. So with that said, we need to view dating as a way to find our marriage partner who we can fulfill God's purposes with. Dating is meant to help us answer this question, this question, should we spend our lives together? Should we spend our lives together? It's not meant to answer the question, who gives me the butterflies, or who can I make out with, or who can I cuddle with at parties, or, at, or when we're having a movie night, who can I put my arm around at Chi Alpha? It's not meant to answer those questions. It's meant to answer the question, who can we, or, or can we spend our lives together Dating for fun is stupid, okay? It's a waste of your emotional energy. It's a waste of your heart. It's a waste of your time. We're not just looking for a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend. We're looking for a husband. We're looking for a wife. That's the point of it all. It's the point of it all. But there's no pressure. Like, hear me on this. There's no pressure for you to figure it out within the first week of dating. It's okay to date. It's okay to go grab coffee with someone or go to a movie with that person and see, is this someone that I could spend my life with? That's the whole point of dating, right? It's to see that. But I challenge you with this. At the, time that you, uh, just, at the time that you realize that that person is not God's best for you, when you realize that, I encourage you to leave the relationship. Don't carry it on, don't drag it on, because dating is not for fun. Dating is so we can find our spouse. And I encourage you, if you're dating someone who you think could be your spouse, then don't, or then don't rush the relationship unless God wants you to get married soon. Because if you rush it, it, if you're slamming the gas pedals, which we'll talk about in smaller groups tomorrow night, but three gas pedals, spiritual conversations, physical touch, time spent together, if you're doing a lot of those things, then it's gonna be really hard not to wanna have sex with that person. Because like you feel like that person is supposed to be your spouse, that person is on the same wavelength as you with God, And it's going to be challenging to prevent yourself from going all the way with them because that's what you're made to do. So I encourage you, if you're going to date, the marriage should be in your future. You should see it in the near future, within a couple years, I would say. And if you don't see it within a few years, then you either need to not hit those gas pedals at all, so like you just see each other at Chi Alpha or in class, because I'm telling you, humans like to have sex, okay? That's what we're made for. We're made to do that. It's not a bad thing. It's something we're made to do. But if you don't see yourself getting married soon, then you need to keep it real, real slow, just like the toe in SpongeBob on the gas pedal. Real, real slow. Okay, does that make sense to you? So dating needs to be done with intentionality, and if you find your value in God, then you'll be able to do it with intentionality. Because you're not dating to find your worth, you're dating to find a partner who you can push back the gates of hell with. Come on, that's what you're doing it for. That's why we're dating. All right. So the main idea tonight is this. If we want to do love God's way, then we have to know we're loved. If we want to do love God's way, we have to know we're loved. So maybe some of you are sitting in here tonight and you're thinking, this is great, these are good, ideal principles, but I'm having a tough time finding a spouse, and I really want to get married to him. What should I do? Well, this is my encouragement to everyone who asks me that question. I think the biggest encouragement I can give you is this. Pursue Jesus with everything you have pursue him like crazy. And then when you notice that someone's beginning to keep up with you, you say, hey, what's up? Do you want to date? Guys, I'm just saying this is a good place to meet a spouse, okay? I'm not saying I want you all to get married, but I'd rather have you marry someone in Kyle than someone who's not a Christian. So if you see someone that's just sprinting alongside you, like, hey, that boy's cute. He's going after Jesus. Go ahead and date. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. If we want to Find our spouses, and I pray you'd find a spouse who's going after Jesus with you. So pursue Jesus with everything you have, and if you notice someone keeping up with you, then give them some time. That's my encouragement. All right, so tonight's whole message comes down to one question Who or what are you finding your value in? Who is determining your value and your worth? Are you finding your value in Jesus, or are you finding it in something else? Do you know that, that if you put your faith in Christ, he calls you approved? Do you know that? He says, he says, you're my son or you're my daughter. And if you know that your value and your worth comes from God, then you may just be ready to begin dating. Because God's value and his love for you will keep you grounded as you navigate these incredibly difficult waters of finding a marriage partner who you can fulfill God's purposes with. If you don't know that your value and your worth comes from God, I just wanna encourage you tonight that God wants to reveal that to you. So if you don't know that, right now I just challenge you in your heart to pray, God, reveal that to me. Reveal the way you think about me. God, reveal it to me just how much you value me. If you don't know that truth, if you're not a follower of Jesus, tonight I pray that you would grasp that truth tonight and that it would change your whole world. Because when you know that you're so sinful, so flawed, so screwed up, but at the same time, God looks at you and says you're loved, that will change you. So I pray that you would yield to that tonight. Go ahead and stand with me. We're going to close. So tonight, if we can get this truth that we're valued, then perhaps, perhaps, perhaps we can do love God's way. We can keep romantic relationships in the proper view and see clearly who God has called us to be with. We can also see if God has called us to be single, which, like I said, is a possibility. And we can focus all of our efforts on Pushing forward the kingdom. So I think God's dream for our community is that this would be a place where we set the bar really high in doing relationships God's way. In the way we honor one another and the way we date and in the way we do this whole thing, I think God wants us to set the bar for our community at you and I, in the way we treat each other and the way we date. And God's dream for you, for those of you that do want to get married, is that you would find someone who enhances your relationship with them can come alongside you, just like Eve came alongside Adam. He said, I can't find a helper fit for me, and then she came alongside him, and they did life together. That's God's dream for you. So if you would bow your heads and go.